Good morning. Ah, so here we are again. Feels like uh, the UK outside. Cool and misty. I'm ready for summer to be over forever. I was thinking about maybe not having one next year if we could help it. So, um, well, let's pray. God, we thank you for this day and for your goodness to us. God, for all that you've done for us. God, uh, for Calvary. God, for Gethsemane. God, where you won the battle for us. God, we appreciate all that you have done for us. And uh, to to say thank you seems so inadequate, Lord. But, uh, God, we want to worship you today. God, and I just, I bind doubt and unbelief and uh, every... Uh, accusation of Satan, God, I pray, God, that uh, uh, that our ears would be open today, God, to receive from you, God, that which you have for us, God, you're worthy to be praised, God, to lose faith in this place, God, to accept what you have for us, God, open every eye, uh, open every ear, and we just pray it in the righteous name of Jesus, amen, amen. Well, I hope... To bore you all to tears today, um, because I, I hope that you all know this backwards and forwards, what I'm going to talk about, um, because if you don't, you should, and when I'm done, you will. <laughs> there will be a test next Sunday. Um, so I want to talk about um, condemnation versus instructions, because... We all have an adversary who takes advantage of your earnest desire to please God. Because that's, that's why you're here uh, early on Sunday morning to, for the extra service. Because you, you want to please God and you want something from God. So you have an adversary who wants to uh, tear down your sense of confidence in God's love for you. And, and he knows that if he can pick at your sense of God being happy with you, then just like Adam, you'll hide yourself uh, for the wrong reasons. So, so what we need to be able to do then is is sort through the things that come to us and say, now is is this God dealing with me about something, or is this simply condemnation? And, and uh, sometimes it can be in the, the, the fog of war in the moment there. It can be very difficult to sort through. Um, but um, uh, I, th- I think when, uh, when we really have our eyes focused on the Lord and when we, we have exercised our senses with his word, it, it's not terribly difficult to do. So go with me to Romans 8. I had a week of uh, practicing these very things, so uh, so I can speak from recent experience that you know when you uh, it's not always as easy as it might seem to to just sort through things. You know, it's, it's easier to see for someone else typically. Like you know, it's like somebody you know opens their mouth and just despair 
you know, and you can see it, and you and it's like, no, that's stupid, you know, <laughs> and it's like, but but the same thing, the same thing will happen to you, and then it's not so easy, you know, and again, I think a lot of that comes goes back to our adversary picking at that desire to the, to please God, you know, when uh, when Jeremy was younger. He started learning how to push buttons, push other people's buttons, and, which I, I stomped on. But, um, but no, he would he would uh, he'd just be sitting there with his best buddy in the world, Alex. They'd be watching a show or something. They're watching TV, and and Jeremy just kind of looks over at him like, "Hey, Alex, you didn't win." <laughs> When what? You know, and and it's funny now, but at the time it was like, and it, and it made Alex really upset, understandably. It's like, it's like, hey, what do you mean I didn't win? It's like I didn't know we were playing. It's like time out. Can we start over, redo? You know, but um, um, but that that incident really stuck with me. Because it kind of became a habit until I, I uh, demanded that it stop. Because it's really not all that funny to, to push somebody's buttons. And I, I, I don't allow my children to push each other's buttons because I think that's a very cruel thing to do to each other. Um, but uh, that, that incident really stuck with me because the, the condemnation of Satan is like that. You know, it's just like, you didn't win. When what? It's like what are you talking about? You know, and 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 he does that, but with it comes this sense, this this emotional thing, of who maybe I didn't win, you know, maybe I did screw this up, maybe God is unhappy with me about something, and so and so because he knows that you want God to be happy with you, then then he's he's got something to pick at you with. So as you might guess, I'm going to start in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that mind the things of the flesh, or they that are after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. And they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then... They that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, um, sorry, my mind is a little fuzzy this morning. Um, You know, the thing I like about this passage is he talks about how uh, we have been uh, redeemed from our sin. We've been bought back from the enemy's camp, not by 
our own goodness, not by our own merit, but by the merit of Jesus. Because, because like the old song says, Jesus paid it all. And so, um, you know, he, this passage just, uh, you know, talks about the carnal mind and how, um, you know, your carnal mind is a, a really tricksy kind of thing when you're, when you're trying to sort through, um, is this God talking to me or not? Because, because it wants to say something too. And so then, then, you know, there's, you know, I used to sort laundry and my kids would help me sort laundry by just throwing everything out of the basket onto my piles of stuff that was already sorted. And, and that's kind of what the, what your mind will do. It's like, well, I want to help. It's like, I, I know, I know about this stuff. Uh, or, well, wait, what if it's right? If, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I think the carnal mind really enjoys playing devil's advocate for you or against you, as it were. Um, um, you know, in Revelation 12, it says that the accuser of their brethren was cast out, that accused us day and night before God, and that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. So, so again, it's not, it's not that we did well or that we had our, our stuff together. It was that, that we were bought on His merits, on His grace. And so, so then when the enemy comes in with this accusation, then he's not really so much accusing you as he's accusing the righteousness of Christ that, that you're already wearing by faith. Um, so, so God is for us, and, and he's on our side. And, and as much as you're invested in your success, he's more so invested in your success. You know, because like the song says, he loved when loving by heartache and loss. You know, he was, you know, whether whether we decided to take him up on his offer or not, he was going to do everything it took to pay that price to to make that available for us. Uh, skip down with me to verse thirty one. This is one of my favorite passages all time. You know, last week I talked a little bit about what's right above here, about uh, being conformed to his image. And uh, and he says, what shall we say then to these things in 31? Because he's talking about how, how he's predestinated us to be conformed to that image, and, and so he's called us and justified us. So he says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Um, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And, uh, you know, I like to uh, go back to the Darby and to the Youngs uh, to compare uh, uh, the passages a lot of times uh, because they, uh, they often have a really interesting take on, on what it says. And uh, um, he says that uh, in the Youngs, Instead of saying, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect, is God that justifies, 
Uh, he said, it is God that is declaring righteous. So, so if God is saying, because you have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because you have accepted it for yourself, because you have put on my righteousness by faith, then God is declaring you righteous. Because, because when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ, not, not yours, his. And, uh, and so, he's, so if, if God declares that you're righteous, then who's going to contradict him? You know, who, who would, who, who's going to argue with him? You know, sometimes I, I, I like to pull that card out with my kids. It's like, like, I'm your dad, stop arguing with me. You know, because sometimes we, we do that, we do that with ourselves even. It's like, yeah, but, like, how, how could, how could I possibly be righteous? It's like, I know me. And, and, um, and it's funny because, you know, I think sometimes we look at other people and think, well, I don't see how they could possibly have, a, have that kind of problem. It's like they seem so perfect. They seem like they have all their little duckies in a row. And, you know, when I first came here uh, nearly 20 years ago, I remember thinking that everybody seemed so perfect and that uh, people just seemed to have all their stuff together. And as I got a little older and I, I found out that they were all people too, like me, I thought, wow, well, that's okay. Well, that makes me feel better. At least I'm in good company then. Um, so, so God imparts that righteousness to us then, because we accept it. And so, uh, so He uh, He brooks no argument with it. And uh, um, I want to just go ahead and finish this chapter because it's really good. Um, in fact, maybe I'll read that whole thing again because it's really good. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, then who could be against us? So it doesn't matter who who would be against you. It doesn't matter what what anyone has to say, whether they've got skin on or it's somebody, some voice in your mind that wants to bring accusation to you. Like, well, God is for me. Like, he's on my side. So if God has something that he wants to deal with, I'm good with that because it's like you want to pick on me about, you know, God being happy with me. I want God to be happy with me, and if there's something he's not happy about, then I would be happy to deal with it. You know, reminds me of that movie. I'm not happy, Bob. Not happy. What are you not happy about? Be specific, Bob. You know, because a lot of times the condemnation of, of Satan isn't specific. It's just this vague, formless kind of turmoil. You know, uh, I had a couple days this week where uh, that I just felt terrible, I felt horrible, and I typically don't. I, you know, 99% of the time I feel pretty good, and. Uh, um, every now and then I have these days that just seems to come out of nowhere where the bottom just kind of drops out, you know. I think we all have those days. And uh, um, and I have to admit, I was scrambling a bit because I was like, what is the matter with me? And uh, it's like, what is going on here? And 
You know, so it's it's good to have these reminders from the Word that to be exercised in these things. That's like, you know what, God is is on my side, and and if there's something that He wants to talk to me about, then then He will, because uh, that's that's what He does. He doesn't just He doesn't just leave the things there to surprise you. You know, that's one of the things I always thought was really um, inexplicable about the the idea of the of the rapture of Jesus coming any second now, because it's like, it's like, uh, it's like the church teaches that he's playing this big cosmic game of gotcha. It's like, oh, you weren't paying attention, gotcha. You know, and it's like, why, why would he do that when, when he, when he's paid such a price and when he has, um, he's done all this work to, to, uh, to rescue you and bring you on and, and, and raise you up. Uh, why would he, you know, just to, oh, you weren't paying attention, gotcha, too bad, you know, better luck next time, oh, there is no next time, you know, it's like, there, you know, the, the character of God is so different than that, you know, and we, you know, we just, we have this adversary that wants to, to tell us what God is like, and he's not like that, so he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So, you know, what what did God withhold that that, that we needed for our success? You know, what, what did he what did he leave us lacking? Nothing. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? The Darby says, Who shall bring an accusation against God's chosen ones? For it is God that justifies, God that is declaring righteous. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So then, if, if Christ is interceding for us, and and he, we have uh, uh, his merit applied to us, then I would think we would be in pretty good shape. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress... Persecution, uh, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, and accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, so if none of those things could separate us from the love of God, then, then, uh, then we can be assured that God's not going to let some little small thing go by that would bring destruction in our life. And so... Uh, so we have an adversary that wants to, to pick at those things or, or even say that there's something there when there isn't. And yet, nothing, it says, can separate us from the love of God. You know, when you have children, uh, occasionally you get a bit worn out and you just kind of let something go by for the moment. But, but you know, that's what your job is, is you deal with those issues and you know that you're dealing with those issues for their good. You know, it, it's hard because it's like you love your children and you, you kind of want to just be their best buddy. But sometimes you have to be mom and dad and, and you have to lay down the law. Be like, no, I said no. 
and uh, you know when. Uh, uh, but the great thing is, is when you set those kind of boundaries for your children, then it actually makes them feel secure, and and, and they know that you love them. And and when you when you are forced to to bring correction to an issue, then they they come back and they just love you, you know. And and God is like that. God has put that same kind of relationship in us. Go with me to Isaiah 50. You know, it's interesting. This uh, I came across this while I was doing this study, and I thought, wow, I don't know this. I'm not familiar with this passage. This is really good. Why don't I know this? I should. Um, I'm going to start in uh, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakes morning by morning, and he wakens my ear to hear as the learned. And so we're talking about Jesus. You know, Jesus has that he has that ability to speak a word to you when you're weary. And uh and he puts that in us uh so that we can uh do that for one another as well. The Lord God has opened my ear. I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheek to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. So we're talking about Jesus then. And so so he's he's alluding to uh the the, the barest hint of the, the price that he paid. And he says, The Lord God will help me, therefore I shall not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed, because he is near that justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. You know, and I think this must have been, you know, something that Jesus was thinking, as he felt that sense of uh, being outside the presence of God when he came down to the crucifixion. But the thing that I thought was really great about this verse is uh, it's like I think we should all have this tattooed on the inside of our eyelids. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. You know, um, I was talking with somebody this week, and I was like, you know, it seems like some people have... uh, um, their, their kind of default attitude is guilty until proven innocent. You know, it's, it's like I, I feel like, you know, in, until God pats me on the head and tells me I'm doing well, I must be doing bad. You know, and uh, you know, and 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 honestly, I, I felt that way for a long time, and uh, I thought, well, I. You know, I I just always kind of felt like you know God included me because well He had to because He said it was for everybody and so I was like well all right come on you know it's like you know kind of squeezing sideways through the turnstile but uh, <laughs> but um, you know I think we we have to come to a place in our life where we make up our mind that's like no. I'm going to set my face like a flint because I am innocent until God proves me guilty. You know, it's like I don't care what anybody else has to say about it. 
You know, I've got all kinds of voices picking at this and that and the other thing that could be a problem in my life. Or, you know, I've got this, this the little gremlin on my shoulder telling me, you didn't win, but it's like, no. Until God tells me that he wants something changed, then I'm going to operate on the uh, on the assumption that I'm doing all right. Because I am clothed in his righteousness. And, and so if he has something he wants to talk to me about, then I know that he will. So he says, I'm going to read that again. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifies me. Who will contend with me? And I like that. It, it kind of has this like bring it on kind of attitude. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. It's like okay. It's like you want to you want to play that game. It's like I would be happy to uh, you know knock your teeth down your throat. That <laughs> uh, behold the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they shall all wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. So it's like that's that would be the destiny of your of your accusers, you know. That it would just be nothing, just be completely as nothing because Jesus paid it all, and and he is uh, his love is there, and he has put that righteousness by faith in us. So so we need to have that that mindset that. Uh, I am innocent until God proves me guilty. Not guilty until proven innocent. Because it's it's uh, you know I felt that way for a lot of years, and uh, I would deal with people with this assumption that they were right and I was wrong, uh, and that was my default setting. And uh, and I saw everybody as being better than me and having it more together than me, and. I would see people that that I that you could really see the spirit of God move in, and I would think they know something about me that's bad. And it's like, and they they would like to tell me, but it would be too fun for them, so they're not going to because they're too righteous to tell me about it and and beat me down with it. That would be too much fun. And 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 it's, it sounds ridiculous, but when you're all alone in your brain, it's not so easy to to sort through all that stuff. And uh, and so I would talk to people about it. I'd be like, hey, um, you know that thing the other day with this, that, and the other thing? And they would look at me like, what? What are you talking about? Like, of course not. And uh, it happened to me enough times that I started seeing that voice for what it was. It's like, oh, okay. And so then when that voice would come, it just, no. It's like you just just shut it off. No, nope. It's like I'm not not going that way because um, uh, if it's not God telling me that that I have an issue, then I'm unconcerned. So go with me to Hebrews 12. So we've established that we 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 need to have a mindset that uh, um, I'm innocent. Now that is not to say that uh, 
you know, I think that in no way contradicts the uh, the parable of the of the Pharisee and the the publican, where he where he, he said, "I'm not even worthy to look up," where he wouldn't look up, and he said, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner," because that's where you get that righteousness from, because it, because you know that it's His and not your own. Uh, so, uh, with that in mind. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what, what if God is talking to me about something then. So I'm going to start in verse 1. I think. Yes. Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run with patience the race set before us. So there's those things again, getting rid of the weights, the condemnation, and the uh, and it could even just be just something you don't have time for. It's something that is just unimportant enough that just you should just get rid of it. You know, I uh, I was looking at pictures and uh, I was looking at pictures of when Jeremy was born. And uh, uh, as I was looking at these pictures, I was kind of doing a little math, a little scale math, and I was like, wow, I weighed 50 pounds less back then. And it was really kind of a downer moment, you know. It's like bummer, and I started. Uh, I, I was. I started dieting, and I started exercising, and you know who knows how much fun that is. And uh, um, uh, and then one day after I was, I was finally kind of beginning to establish a routine and a habit with it and stuff. And uh, um, and one day. Uh, I was just thinking about the exercise thing. God said, this is a weight. It's like, you think I should do strength training? <laughs> no, no, I see. Okay, this is a weight. I don't have time for this. And and so so I quit. I quit exercising. And uh, uh seemed to have more or less stayed in the same spot, so that's all right. But uh, um, I, it's funny because I've thought about that. That's, that's been, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago maybe. And I was... Uh, uh, I thought about that often since then, and thought, "Wow, I really don't have time for that. I just don't." And uh, you know, there's there are people who do, I'm sure. But uh, um, so so a weight can be something that's perfectly innocent, but it could also be something that it could just be one of those things that the enemy wants to weigh you down with and be like, "You didn't win." You know, to me, that's a great example of a weight. And so we just lay that aside. It's like, no, I'm not going to carry that. I'm running. Who wants to carry something while they're running? And the sin. So so we do indeed uh, examine ourselves, and we we get rid of those things that uh, don't line up with the Word of God. And Paul said that if we, if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and run with patience the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Uh, the passage always kind of makes me feel like, oh, it's like, man... Like you know, because that's the you know, that's a good mindset to have. But you know, to the idea of of uh, 
It's like, wow, you know, look at what he did. Look at what he went through and, uh, and, and that he did that for you. Um, but, he, but he tells us to be of a, of a like mind. He said, arm yourself with the same mind. He says, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And you have forgotten exhortation which speaks to you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges every son whom he receives. And you guys all know that passage well, I'm sure. Um, but it, And it's discouraging when you find out you're not doing something right or as well as you could be when you want to. And, uh, you know, for a long time at work, I, I thought of myself as being this, like, ultra-crisp, detailed painter guy. And uh, as time went on, I began to think more in terms of, I'm running a business, I need to make this work uh, money-wise. You know, Mike and I have the thing on the van that says, quality is absolute. And as time has gone on, it's like, actually, quality is relative. <laughs> quality is relative to how much the customer is willing to pay. And uh, um, and so I, it took me a while to kind of shift my mind into this doesn't have to be perfect. This has to be done. And uh, um, so uh, I I would always chasten myself the next day after we would come in from uh, like doing trim in particular, like uh, painting all the doors and the jams and the windows and everything. Because to me, that is one of those things that really sets off a house. And it's kind of a, to me, it's like a one-time shot. Because it's really a labor-intensive to do all the trim over again later once you've got carpet and walls and painted and so forth. And uh, and I would always come in and I would look at it. And it would be like this you know, $400,000 house. And I'd be looking through the trim and be like, dang it. And I would, I would just, and Mike could tell you, I would just walk around flogging myself for like the first 20 minutes that we got there because I wasn't happy with it. And and it was all stuff that other people wouldn't notice. So, um, so I learned to kind of take it easy on myself a bit. But uh, it's it's frustrating when you have given it your all, when you really tried hard and you thought that turned out really good, and then it just turned out so-so. And somebody's like, well, actually, here's what you could do. It would be a little different, and, and that's that's a disheartening thing, and that's what he's addressing in this passage. He's like, you know, don't, you know, don't don't get upset about it. Uh, he says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if it be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you're bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. How should we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily chastened us for after their own pleasure, or for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. And there's not really a lot of pleasure in that. I think it actually is translated uh, elsewhere as uh, as it seemed good. Uh, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. And so, it's easy to become discouraged with uh, in, whether it be const- uh, instruction or, or correction. 
Now, this word chastening that he uses over and over again in this passage is this Greek word called pedia. And, and what it means um, is the whole of your training, the whole body of your teaching. So it's both instruction and correction. It's both. And uh, because you, you need to have the instructions in order to uh, have them tweaked, to have your performance tweaked. And so, uh, you know, and, and certainly chastening is a good word for this passage because that's kind of the, the direction he's, he's going with it. Um, but uh, that's why Ron talks about uh, instruction. It's like, you know, sometimes when God's talking to you about something, it's not so much a, he's not happy with an issue. He's saying, hey, this is how you do this. Yeah, let's, let's do this better next time. You know, uh, you know, it'd be like if you, uh, like, uh, like if Mike and I had an employee at work, for example, and we were teaching him how to do something, and uh, gave them instructions, turned them loose on it, and then we would critique their performance and show them how how to do it better. Because between the two of us, we've been painting since before time began, and so it's like, well, here's how you could do that better, and. Uh, uh, um, I wouldn't expect the my uh, my employee to be discouraged or down or upset that I was showing them how to do it uh, differently or better. It's like when you know, especially if it's your first try out of the shoot, it's like, well, what did you expect? It's not nothing is as easy as it looks. But um, so God gives us instruction, and sometimes He does indeed give us chastening, correction, perhaps even a scourging if we're not. Not getting the idea. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Go with me over to Hebrews four. I'm gonna wrap it up with this. <clears throat> I don't like to particularly don't particularly like to just take one verse out of a passage because it's easy to uh, take them out of context. But in this case, this seems to be a good standalone kind of scripture. And you all know it. Verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, So that then would be our criteria for... Determining is this God talking to me, or is this my own thinking? Is this is this the adversary? What is where is this thought coming from? And so you know we kind of have to arm ourselves, I think, with kind of a list of questions when those thoughts come in. It's like, okay, so does this thought does this thought suggest that God is is unhappy and that there is no remedy to it? Because there are a lot of thoughts that do that very thing. The the knowledge of good and evil will tell you that, that God is is angry and there is no remedy. And uh, and the enemy would love to tell you that because it tears up your sense of well being uh, with God that that he's that he's that he loves you and he's on your side. Like does, does this thought um, feel hopeless, or does this thought feel hopeful? Does this thought have an answer? You know, is it, instead of saying, hey, there's this thing, it's like, hey, here's this thing, but here's what we can do to fix it. 
Here's what we can do to change it. See, then we're talking about something that's coming from God because because uh, he's not just going to tell you, you need to get this thing squared away. He's going to tell you, hey, this thing needs fixed. Here's what we do. You know, the, the enemy will just be like, well, you screwed that up, you know, and uh, and he just leaves it at that, you know, and uh, and uh, he'll kind of look at you wide-eyed like uh, like I did uh, uh, the other night when uh, Angie was snapping at Bonnie. That kind of my eyes a little wide, but uh, um, you know, because he's like, "Ooh, you are gonna get it," you know. You know it's like you know the the enemy likes to kind of. Look at you like that. It's like, man, God is going to be mad. You know, he'll he'll throw some accusation at you, and it's like a little kid. Um. Until we have teachers in this place, mothers of small children and such. Um, but but he does that, you know. And so, you know, like like I like I said earlier, it's like God's instructions are specific. Like there's something, something I want you to deal with. This is how we're going to deal with it, and uh, we're going to put this behind us, and we're never going to speak of it again. You know, and uh, the enemy is like, "Hey, you remember that thing? Like 1986? I wasn't even born in 1986. No. Oh, I was. Okay, sorry. But uh, he wants to bring those things up because, you know, because that's that's what he does." And, and what he's after is is tearing up your sense the, of God loving you. So, so when God deals with us about something, it's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to run from. It's something to be to be happy about. It's like, wow, well, I I wish I had done better at that. That you weren't having to have this discussion with me, but I I appreciate that you are. And uh, um, and having that mindset that. I, I'm not going to accept just just accept at face value every thought that comes into my mind and think, oh man, God's not happy with me. Oh no, and because then you just you fall into that place of despair, and and it's and it's a difficult place to fall to crawl your way up out of, and and that's what the Word of God does for us though is it is it sorts through all that stuff, and uh, and you find out whether or not it. It, it, it's something legitimate or not. So Jesus, we thank you for this uh, uh, study, uh, for uh, the the family gathered here today. God, I, uh, I appreciate being a part of this people. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, raise up our sense of expectation, God, as we get ready for the, the main service. And God, we want you to be glorified in it. God, we want you to be praised and worshipped because you're worthy of it. Lord, and we uh, uh, we just want to receive from you, God. If we don't know what it is that we want from you today or what we need from you today, God, we know that you do, God. And so we're just asking for that very thing because you know what it is that we need. And Lord, we just uh, look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith, trusting in you, God, and grateful that you have clothed us in your righteousness and not our own. God, we just praise you and worship you, thank you and adore you in the name of Jesus. Amen.